Live from our man caves in Hawaii and Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild, where Blem, Poopus, and Mike D bring you the latest news, rumors, analytics, predictions, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going, boys. Welcome to MLS Gone Wild, Season 2, Episode 4. This is Blem, and welcome to the knockout stage of the MLS's back tournament. It's your boy, Poopus. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back. Mike D, take it away. This is Mike D. Thank you all for tuning in. We know just about everyone who is through to the knockout stages and things are starting to become a little more real in the MLS back tournament. I'm very excited for our guest tonight who took the time out of her very busy schedule to chat with us. We will be interviewing Jillian Sakovitz, co-host of the MLS Call-Up podcast. Jillian, welcome to MLS Gone Wild. How are you doing tonight and what are your overall thoughts on the tournament thus far? Well, thank you guys for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, <clears throat> Thoughts so far is, holy moly, like, we could be seeing FC Cincinnati play LAFC. <laughs> like, what is happening? But also, this is so much fun. And we couldn't – if you would have told me that, you know, the LA Galaxy would have their type of performance, um, that Atlanta United would – struggle on um, the way that they did, unlike the way we saw them perform in the first two weeks of the season pre-pandemic. I would have said you're crazy, but this is like the most MLS thing ever, and I'm so here for it. I'm here for it. Yes. <laughs> I would love to see this every preseason, to be honest with you, even if it didn't count for, you know, regular season points or CONCACAF spot. Take them down to Disney. Let's play the COVID Cup every preseason. I'm here for that. We'll see. We'll see how the Players Union uh, responds to that one. They probably won't like that. <laughs> Prior to coming to Orlando, Atlanta was unbeaten in MLS regular season play, beating both Nashville and Cincinnati 2-1. to one. Fast forward four months to a goalless and pointless MLS's back tournament. After suffering three consecutive 1-0 losses to the New York Red Bulls, FC Cincinnati, and the Columbus Crew, Atlanta United goalkeeper Brad Guzan issued this statement. We set the bar so high over the last couple years. You can talk about experienced players, you know, but there's also inexperienced players on the field, and it's the role of the experienced players to help those guys along. It's the role of those younger players to pick up information quickly. There's a huge level of frustration, disappointment, and anger because this isn't what Atlanta United is about. This isn't who we are as a club. It's not a good feeling in the locker room at the moment. What, what went wrong for Atlanta in this tournament? Yeah, I think that's the question that everyone has. I know that's probably the question Frank DeBoer and the rest of the players have as they now head back to Atlanta. And the silver lining here is the fact that they have an extended period of time now to be at home, uh, be at their own training grounds, and really reassess who they want to be. Um, you know, Frank DeBoer – Last season, um, him and the players really came to an agreement of, listen, this is the type of team we want to be because Frank DeBoer, obviously being a legendary defender, he came in. It was a little bit of an opposite of the way that Tata Martino maybe operated. Tata was, okay, a goal or two might squeak in, but we're going to score six, so it's okay. Frank DeBoer, he wanted this team to be a little more defensively sound, and they've done that. And at times, maybe we've seen them sway from that exciting attacking style team that 
we've seen in this tournament at LAFC or the Columbus crew be those types of teams and make no qualms about it. Atlanta United wants to get back to being that type of team. And now they have that, that time to, to hopefully figure that out. You know, they were the only team in the tournament to not score a goal. That is the opposite of what you think of when you think of Atlanta United's identity. And I feel comfortable pointing that out because they'll be the first ones to tell you Brad Gazan was so open in his post-game uh, press conference that, that they have some digging to do and they have some talking to do. And that it's not just about talking, as Brad said, it's about translating it onto the field. You know, you, you want to see the defense and the offense get a little bit more into, into a rhythm. Yeah, so... Jillian, you talked a little bit about Frank DeBoer wanting to come in and build a defense. You guys recently lost Greg Garza, LGP, and Michael Parkhurst. Have Michael Parkhurst sign cleats from when he was at a Columbus crew. I won a, ca a caption contest sitting right here. Uh, but on top of that, you know, you guys lost those three key defenders. And, you know, you have to replace Al Marone and Joseph Martinez, who was just hurt. And you guys, I don't think you guys thought you replaced them, but you brought in PT, who was the South American player of the year two years ago, and also Barco, uh, two South American players. But let me segue into Columbus Crew. You see I'm wearing the Columbus Crew jersey. Mm -hmm. Another South American player, Lucas Zellerayan. Who got the best of the South American players there? Well, right now, I mean, no one can, can mess with Zellerayan. He's been fun to watch um, from the jump. And I mean, I don't know if there's a more exciting trio right now than Jossie Zardes, Zellerion, and then former Atlanta United, uh, Darlington Nagby. You know, something you have to point out about Darlington Nagby and make, make no, you know, the, this, is, this is known. Atlanta United, as no team would want to, did not want to part with Darlington Nagby. Frank DeBoer did not want to part with Darlington Nagby. You know, he has made some epic comparisons. He's the best midfielder by so many accounts um, in the league. He had a 98.1% passing accuracy during this MLS's back tournament. In their final game against Atlanta United, he completed 43 of 43 passes. I mean, if you can rely on anyone, it's Darlington Nagby. So credit to the Columbus crew, to Tim Bezbachenko, Caleb Porter, and what they've been able to assemble there um, in the front. And, and Atlanta United now, I, I know a lot of fans are disappointed because the runway for Barco and Pity is, they've had some time now, um, but these are unprecedented times. The pandemic affects everybody differently. And I don't think that we've seen the best of Pity and Barco. If you look at week one and week two pre-pandemic, the first two games of the season in late February and early March, Pity and Barco were clicking and they were a lot of fun to watch. Barco had had goals in back-to-back -back games. Uh, Emerson Hindman was exciting to watch. He also had goals in back-to-back -back games for them. They didn't, they didn't bring their best to the tournament. Um, they really didn't, but I don't think that this tournament version of Atlanta United is who Atlanta United is in 2020. And when you mentioned, I know you mentioned losing Greg Garza, Michael Parkhurst, you know, hanging up the boots. It's really difficult in this league. I was talking about this with my colleague, Kaylin Carr, about sustaining success in a salary capped league. Cause you get lucky with Julian Gressel in the draft. 
you get lucky with Miles Robinson and you earn your luck too. It's not just like they rolled the dice and got these two. They were great gets by Paul McDonough, Carlos Bocanegra, Darren Eels. Um, but your draft picks were pretty cheap and now your draft picks want to get paid and you can't do all that and hold on to LGP and hold on to everybody. So you have to start to make moves and the guys need a little bit of time uh, to mesh. So we're, I think we're seeing like phase two, like the growing pains of being, and we haven't seen this in MLS really, of, of being a very, very, very successful um, expansion team and the growing pains that come with that, because usually it's the other way around. You'll just stink for five years and then you'll get good outside of the Seattle Sounders and the fact that they have been able to make the postseason every single year since they have been in major league soccer. Atlanta's going to figure it out um, and they have to. So Jillian, speaking of sustaining in a salary cap league, we just talked about your team Atlanta United and what they've had to do bring in draft picks and getting rid of them um, to create more space to bring more players in. Mm-hmm. The new hot thing is LAFC. Do you <laughs> see the same kind of growing pains happening to them? Is it a trend? I mean, you could. You could with LAFC. Um, I know that people who want to complain right now about Atlanta United will point out the fact that LAFC had some really terrific performances. I mean, 6-2 in El Trafico, and they did it without Carlos Vela. So I'm not sure. Maybe that's in store for LAFC. Um, But in the way that MLS is forever evolving and changing, I I don't think it's a guarantee. And I think it's probably something that as conversations grow and change, maybe the league gets structured slightly differently. You know, TAM, GAM, the whole thing, they've talked about trying to make that a little bit user-friendly and and so people can understand it. Um, But the the basics are it it is a salary-capped league. And as these LAFC players get better and better and more eyeballs are on them, and the guys that are on smaller contracts want to go get make a lot more money, like, and fair play to them. And I admit it most, I think almost everyone would do the same thing, like a Julian Gressel type of situation. You find your success with a great team. You know, Julian Gressel knows that a lot of his six, not a lot, that some of his success rode a lot on the fact that he had a terrific pairing with Joseph Martinez. Well, your stock goes up. And LAFC has a lot of guys that can help each other's stock go up. So they, they could find themselves running into that issue. Yeah, time will tell. Time may also tell if, you know, right now it's a salary cap league. Maybe one day it'll move towards more of a European style where it's not a salary cap. But, Jillian, let's get into what time was told for you. You know, you started out uh, working as a intern for Channel 12 News yeah. in, in New York. Uh, you know, then you moved on to bigger things. Um, you know, what has your journey been like and where has it taken you and your time to get to Atlanta and the MLS? Well, MLS has been huge and a big, big help for me. The very, very, very long story short with News 12 is I was graduating. I needed to keep my health care because at the time, if you were an intern, you could keep your parents' health care. I'd already completed two or three internships. and I hadn't really found anything I liked. Um, I always wanted to work in news. I had a degree in international studies and communications, and I thought I'd, I'd want to work in news. And like, look at you guys, like look at everyone. Like you have to usually have a job 
and do sports on the side because we love it so much. So but that would be it. I'd just watch sports and call it a day. And I called the local TV station and I kind of got in touch with just who ended up being a saint of a human, um, the sports director, and he kind of took me under his wing and I was not on camera at all in the beginning. I thought I'd maybe be a sports producer, but being in New York, uh, so close to the city, I found myself as an intern, like running around with discs, editing during Ranger games, Yankee games, all this stuff. So it was just like that. And I worked my butt off. I really did. And, and I had the privilege to be able to work my butt off by having parents who lived two hours outside the city that I could go sleep at and doing what I had to do. MLB.com overnight, go edit baseball highlights after baseball highlights, then head over to News 12 and like beg for them to let me do something on air. And it all just evolved, editor, producer, to yeah, some on-camera work here and there. Um, and then I worked for the NHL and kind of from that made some connections where I got my first gig ever doing MLS in 2015. They said, go to Portland. There's this coach, Caleb Porter. Um, he was a big deal in college and the college circuits, but you may make the floor, you could miss it. Like, I think they could have landed like anywhere from a two to a seven seed. And at the time after six, you were out. So they basically, I, they knew I had some live news experience and they said, go there. So I'm like, oh, so basically if this guy gets fired because it would have been two straight seasons in the playoffs for them, like I have to put a mic in his face. And now thank God I didn't know Caleb Porter before I got there. Cause I would have been a lot, <laughs> would have been a lot more afraid had I, but the good news is that everything really went the Timbers way that year. They were magic. And I stuck with them. I covered them decision day and their entire MLS cup run. Um, and, and I was like, is this what soccer's like in the United States? Because I grew up watching it on TV. We had the Red Bulls at the time. Um, NYC was on their way. And I hadn't really been to a game like that, like you see at Providence Park. And I was hooked. I loved it. It was a really good experience. That Portland Timbers team in 2015 was so nice. You know, I knew nothing. And after a while, you can research everything, but your credibility and everything, it's hard to show up and kind of need to be the reporter for the league for a team that has no idea who you are. But they had Darlington Nagby, Diego Valeri, Nat Borchers. Uh, it was an epic, epic team. And to his credit, uh, Caleb Porter was incredibly um, patient with me and nice to me. And, and I think that did, I think that helped me. Yeah, that helps you build confidence, especially, yeah. you know, you're, you're interviewing for the very first time. You're told to go to Portland. You're interviewing Caleb Porter, who's, you know, a very well-named and one of the best coaches in the MLS who puts his print on whatever team he goes to, which is yeah. now the Columbus Crew. And then, you know, being able to ease yourself into an interview like that and make you feel that confidence, I'm sure that goes a long way into further interviews on the field. Yeah, yeah, totally. So before we get into the next question, Jillian, how much time do you have left? Oh, um, did the Houston game start? I probably have yeah, like another 10 minutes. 54th minute. Okay, I have like 10 more minutes. We go on at the end, so I just have to prep and watch that one. Yeah, so. okay. All right, boys. All right, All right, so like our preparation consists of pretty much finding like players to interview, like coming up with questions that will intrigue people, uh -huh. and pretty much studying, like digging deep into studying for the topics that we have when we don't have interviews. So what kind of preparations do for your guys' podcast do you got you and Susanna come up with? Our preparation, and this is kind of where the podcast evolved from, is just what we are naturally 
going back and forth about all week through text message. Like if you looked at our text message chains, they are wild and they are insane and they're so honest and raw and it is everything. It's about the games. It's about tactical decisions. It's about hair. It's about, um, who's put on weight. It, it's everything. It's, it's MLS culture. And we, we weren't. And then on top of that, pre-pandemic, we were both on the road an incredible amount. And we would just word vomit at each other when we'd find each other. Like, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe who I banged into. Oh my gosh, you're not going to believe what so-and-so said to me. Oh, you're not going to believe that like I brought, you know, like no pants or something. And I, all of a sudden I got to Houston and just the stuff that happened to us on the road. And, and aside from our own like our own stories, it, it was stuff we thought that the fans would like to hear because it, I think, helps humanize a lot of the players. You know, we may not always talk to the players about how the team's even doing that year. You know, there's so many interviews, whether it was Peter Vermees or, um, or Jordan Morris, whoever it is, that you could really go back and you, they're evergreen. And, and I think when you get to know people, like you connect with MLS players the way that we get to, it's good for the game and it's good for everybody else. So I say this honestly, like our podcast came from the fact that we felt like people could sit down at happy hour with us. And our podcast is very similar to what that would be. So yeah, we, we put a little rundown together of topics. We know we want to hit questions. We know we want to ask, but other than that, it really is like kind of our weekly happy hour that we truthfully are doing anyway. And it's nice to have a confidant and friend who many people would say, and in some ways, maybe we are um, competition for one another. We're the two female hosts who, who work at the league and we're so different. And, and we just really, really, really have a natural friendship. And I, I think that that's been a big key for us with the podcast. Okay, so we've had the pleasure of having, we just had Kellen Acosta on after their initial loss in this tournament. Yeah. Uh, we had Cristobal on earlier in our season. We had Ja'Cory Hayes on um, in our George Floyd and Black Lives Matter episode. We've had Alexi Lawless on. And just like we got you, we harassed you guys on Twitter until you're like, you know what? I'll join you. What is your process for finding guests? Oh, that's kind of two-pronged. It was a little easier in the off season because we could just uh, reach out to the players that we have direct friendships with. Um, you know, you, you create friendships, you know, one of the guys that I am love so dearly in this league is, is your stalwart defender and captain Jonathan Mensa. I went to Ghana with him and his wife and him treated me so, so incredibly nice and they were so hospitable that like he will forever hold a place in my heart um and the work that he does is so amazing and it's not just him you know you have these exchanges all year with guys you're on the road so are they you know you kind of get the human element of each other when you see each other both online maybe for starbucks and things like that so you, you create friendships and, and things like that so we reach out to them but now the tricky thing is with the season back we are technically league employees and the right way to go about things is to reach out to the communication staff um, and facilitate it that way. So we really try to do that and give the players um, and kind of go through all the correct channels now that the season is, is back. But deep down, the easier way always would be 
can I just shoot this guy a message and see, and see if he wants to come on? But obviously <laughs> the, the communication staff and the, the communication staff we have in Major League Soccer is incredible. There are people who have to wear a lot of hats, do a lot, manage a ton of requests. And um, they're, all, they're all great, but they have obviously a little bit more on their plates than just um, requ requests from the call up. Uh, and then we're knocking like, hi, can you go ask WP um, if he wants to be on our podcast? So we, we go through the teams during the season and, and they're all great. That's really cool. And to speak on both of those prongs that you just spoke on, if you have any connects to Columbus Crew Communications guys, let us know because we've been dying to get a crew player on this podcast. Yeah. Okay, we'll talk. Hey, Jonathan Mensa, you can get him. Let's go. All right, we'll talk. All right, so quick question. Over the past few years, we've seen an increase in the number of women's coaches and reporters in American professional sports. How important is it to you personally to be involved in this? When I first started, I was very naive to how things were. Um, I had, as I mentioned, that angel of a sports director. He was about 60 years old. He was towards the end of his career, and I think he really looked at me as someone that he could kind of groom and anxious and would stay till whatever hours. And then, and then there were two other guys kind of also um, older and more mature. And it was me and the three of them. And it really felt like being with my dad and my two uncles. Like it was, it was great. And then it kind of, you know, time to spread my wings. And I got out there and realized that there's a difficult side to this industry because people are in the Rangers locker room. Yeah, a couple times I'd be the only woman, but there's ton, there's Channel 7, Channel 5, like those news anchors and everything like that. And then once I kind of started branching out and getting out on my own and, you know, ended up like in the Tampa Bay Rays locker room and I was like, looked around and I was like, you kind of look for your person and you're like, oh, there's no one here who's kind of like me. Oh, okay. And as you start to need new opportunities, things also get more difficult because people at times can try to take advantage of a young person that's trying to make it and have had more experiences. Your, to answer your question, um, it's been really empowering to be a woman in this industry because it is so important to me that we support each other. Uh, I mentioned the call up and I don't know a league where the two women who work as hosts have a podcast together. I really love, um, uh, which one is that? Is it Candace and Parker? Parker and, oh, I'd have to, NBA. Um, oh, Rebecca Ledlow and Candace Parker. They, they have one that's basketball. And I, I, there's just so few of us where it's two women talking about it. So as I've gotten a little older and younger, women might reach out to me and they just thank me on Instagram just for having the podcast or just for being open about things. It's, it's meant a lot. Um, but there's no longer the days where it's like, Oh, we're the minority or this and that things are tougher for us at times. Um, because you're a guy and you're a little witty and a little sarcastic, you're cool and funny. And if you're a little witty and sarcastic as a woman, you know, you can burn yourself out in two seconds. Like I'm not going to say what we're called, but <laughs> you know, um, but I think women having a personality in sports is becoming more acceptable. And I've, 
I've embraced that because for so long you really felt like you just needed to be the reporter and kind of have that like news anchor vibe. And it's 2020 and things are, are lightening up a little bit and I've been enjoying it. And, you know, I, I just want to continue to talk to any girl who or woman who wants to reach out to me because uh, I know that I wish more people had answered my emails when I was younger. Uh, it fell on a lot of deaf ears, which then leads you to hitting up a lot of men. Uh, and those conversations can sometimes go differently. So I wish that I had had more women answer my emails when I had first started. Yeah. Jillian, you're killing the game. We respect and appreciate everything that you're doing. And just like you would say in MLS, the call up, we're here for this and we're here for you. Yes. Yes. Oh, you guys are so fun. This yeah. is amazing. Yeah. We're definitely here for this. Just a couple more questions. Mm -hmm. One, maybe two. Sure. Uh, you know, your podcast is amazing. I'm also the call up is great. We've listened to it. You guys bring a different energy and it's very fun to listen to. So talking about, you know, how it's empowering and, you know, you guys are very few of uh, the people that can come in and do a podcast like that. It's, it's, it's definitely energizing to hear that, that side of it. And so I, I definitely do enjoy it, but we all love soccer. Mm -hmm. We've all played it and we have a passion for the beautiful game as obviously you do. Um, do you have any advice for an up and coming podcast looking to make a splash in the MLS scene? Yeah. Be yourselves. People really want to feel like they're hanging with their friends. Um, you know, we all need a little bit of light right now and a, a, some laughs. Thing that I enjoy is when I feel like I'm just sitting there with somebody and that's what it feels like sitting here with the three of you. So I think that, be yourself. Don't try to have hot takes and say crazy things. Be who you are. And, you know, the rest as a natural soccer fan, someone who just loves the game, the rest will come. And if you feel like you can be yourself, that's all going to come through. And pe people, hey, if people want to know how many passes Darlington Nag be connected, like, they don't need me. Like, they can look that up on Twitter. Like, people listen to podcasts to hear your take and like it is because the truth of the matter is, especially in MLS, like you really can never be wrong. Well, I better switch up my entire tactics for the second I, half of this podcast. No. <laughs> just going to say Blake is the numbers guy. Blake goes into detail with. Thing. That's fine. <laughs> that's, no, but that's great. That's, that's Blake's thing. Yeah. But I'm, <laughs> just so like, sometimes I used to do this. I used to over prepare and, I wanted to know every number, you know, um, I, I remember bringing this up because he's now your coach. I was sitting in Dallas. It was the Western Conference Championships in 2015. And Caleb looked at me and he goes, wow, that's a lot of notes. And they're really wet because I had all these notes. and It was terrible weather. And like looking back, I didn't need all of those notes. Like, you know what you're talking about, obviously. Just, uh be yourselves I actually Mike D, do you want to ask your do you want to ask your jordan morris question and get up out of here yeah we'll we'll do one more question uh jillian listening to your your latest podcast you had jordan morris on i love jordan morris i think he's an outstanding player uh unfortunate for the things that have happened for him in his recent career but um coming off of injury winning the mls cup last year and becoming the comeback player of the year how do you think Jordan Morris is going to perform in the rest of the tournament and in the regular season to come after that? <laughs> What's next for Jordan Morris? What's next for Jordan Morris, Jillian? 
we talked to him a little bit about this. Um, he's really a player that continues to improve. And I'm not saying he's old, but he joined the Sounders in 2016. Um, Jordan Morris believes now 25 or so, 39 caps with the U.S. men's national team. Like, he's not a newbie. He's not a newbie by any means, but here he is, came in as a number nine. Now Schmetzer has him out wide. Like, he is an ever-evolving player. And I think, you know, we're, we're all loving Wondolowski right now. Like, I think Jordan Morris could be, like, the Wando, not Wando story, because he was a phenom. But I think the way he is evolving, takes care of himself, um, is so thoughtful in just his love for the game and the fans that I think we could see so much more of Jordan Morris, not just in MLS, but in U.S. soccer, and I think the best for him is yet to come. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm excited to see what happens, you know, having the injuries that he had and, you know, making the comeback that he's made. I'm, I'm very excited. Comeback player of the year. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. I'm, I'm super excited to see, and I think I agree with you 100% that the best is yet to come. Thanks so much to our guest tonight, Jillian Sakovitz, the call-up MLS uh, co-host. Uh, thank you so much. We appreciate you joining us tonight. Great insight into what it takes to be an MLS podcaster. Um, you know, go crew. We'll talk to you in the future. Jillian, keep us in mind. If you have a, a communications guide to Columbus crew, we'd love to talk to our boy, Jonathan Mensa. Okay. You guys are the best. Um, this was a lot, a lot of fun. And, you know, I got to say, you saved the crew. I can't say it enough. You Columbus fans are are really you know, incredible. I, I would be lying if I said that I thought maybe in 2020 that, that I would still be talking about the Columbus crew. And I'm happy that we are because they, they've been, they've been fun and you guys are fun too. So thanks a lot. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Jillian. Take care. Thanks, Jillian. Thank you. Guys. Bye. Take care.